So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But you, but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. All right, everybody. I've got uh, the uh, great Joel Turner on the podcast. Joel, for those who don't know, which pretty much everybody should know Joel by now, is kind of a um, brain doctor as far as target panic, mental control, things like that. I think you were also recently on the Rogan podcast. I saw parts of that, which yeah. was cool. But, uh, dude, thanks for coming yeah. on. You bet. Thanks for having me. So on this podcast today, I was just talking to Joel before we got on. Joel and I, from everything like I've paid attention to, talked with Joel. We're in the 80, 85% paralleling and the other 15 to 20 uh, pretty far apart in some ways. And I think, though, a lot of that's probably <laughs> where my brain is and how I'm genetically wired. But I, I want to talk with Joel about just kind of tee him up softballs on questions I get, explaining how the human mind works, why some people are susceptible, usually control freaks I've found are really susceptible to target panic, how to fix that, things like yeah. that. Right. So hit me out, out of the gate. Right. So you've got, um, you know, a background, um, law enforcement SWAT team, obviously, um, yeah. shooting, you know, rifles, pistols, things like that, as well as archery. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. you know, your son is a, a stud, obviously you were able to, walk him down the right path. It, it, he can't even drink yet and he's crushing full grown adults, um, <laughs> do, doing ex extremely well. And, and, and I get this, this yeah. these questions constantly, um, uh -huh. on, on the, the, the target panic, the Voldemort, don't talk about it. If you get it, what do you do? Yeah. Um, and, and you know, what, what releases work better for some than others, right? Some people have to shoot mm -hmm. a hinge, some don't. So before I run at the mouse too much, dive down that um, portion, pretty broad question, right? Talk about the mind and why each person, some, you know, the different personalities, the ones that suffer from target panic, why they do it so easy, uh, why some releases work better for some people than others. Like I can't shoot a trigger, I'll punch it. I'm mentally weak, but a hinge, I can shoot great. Dive into some of that. Yes, it's it's funny because it is heavily personality based, and it's more like when you get somebody that is very calm, like they're calm in just about all situations. It seems like, and those are the folks that can take in instruction. They might they might start punching a trigger, but then they if they get some instruction, they can pretty easily gain control of it. But you look at how they run the rest of their life and they're very determined and they can really just buckle down and, and do this stuff. So those, like you said before, control freaks or like mechanical engineers or people that like try to control everything or they're heavily math based or whatever, they have a real hard time pulling themselves out of the aim. And the aim just, you know, it's based on the science of visual proprioception. When you stick your pin on something, it's going to move. But if you just watch the picture, no matter which way it moves, its next movement is always back to the center. So putting more consciousness into that does not help you. But when people put their consciousness and they're thinking about the aim or maybe they're locked off target and they can't get the pin to the target, those are all just 
thought-driven events. And the, the thing that we're really starting to dive into now is thoughts aren't thinking. Like, if you're having a thought of, gosh, I'm so shaky right now, that's not thinking about moving your hinge or thinking about pulling through your index finger trigger. Thoughts are, and with these people that are trying to control all this stuff, they're having these thoughts and the thoughts are too loud in their head and they keep overrunning their thinking and they punch the trigger. If you are thinking about your aim or if you are thinking about some form aspect, you are going to punch the trigger. Like when it comes to working a trigger, if you don't put 100% concentration into that, then you're going to go open loop. Open loop meaning faster than you can gain feedback in. It's a trigger punch. So when you do that, when you go open loop, when you punch a trigger, it's not just that you're punching a trigger. There's other stuff that gets involved with that. There's other muscle contractions that will deviate your point of impact because there's going to be a micro collapse linked to it, or there's going to be grabbing the bow linked to it. There's going to be some pre-ignition movement that you don't necessarily know which one's coming. So and that's all your body just trying to time that explosion. Let, let me dumb that down a little bit. I think I, think I explained okay. it correctly to people. Uh, and this is a very rudimentary and also me being a smart ass of how I explain this. Cause what Joel says, a hundred percent correct. When you are a drive by shooter, it's not mm-hmm. what Joel's saying. It's not just you hammering the trigger. Your brain tells your index finger or thumb or whatever, punch it. And then your brain is so fast. It can do a lot of shit before that arrow leaves the bow, whether that be yeah. peaking or gripping or whatever else. And so the, the, mm-hmm. The consequences of the initial movement of punching, then your brain says, grab your bow or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's what mm-hmm. you had just said yeah. as far as not just the punching, it's everything else after that, which is probably worse, actually. So, Yeah, and, you know, you see it in the, in the professional archery world. People that are punching the trigger have to super weight their bow. They have to put massive, uh, you know, stabilizer weight on their bows. Don't, don't don't jump the gun yet. We got we, we got to get that's a whole okay. other section okay. of this. I got like four primary okay. things down because because okay. uh, like I tried that and I had so much weight on my bow and uh, you know I'd have like three perfect arrows at fifty and one like twenty inches off. So obviously mm-hmm. my brain was not capable of that. But when you talked about open loop and and, and closed loop. I've had people message me about that and, 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 uh-huh. and I'm not as good at explaining it as you, because when you, when you, when you talk about the open and close and I, you know, when I started listening, uh, you know, to you and Tom Clummore, uh, was with the stick bow, mm-hmm. not the, the compound. I, I got target yeah. panic like 20 years ago. Cause I'm not, I'm like the world's, mm-hmm. I am not a control freak. It's actually horrible. It drives people crazy. Cause I'm just like, ah, oh, whatever, get it done. You know, let me know when it's finished. <laughs> but I'm, I got target panic from fear of losing or fear of missing. Um, mm-hmm. And but what explain open and closed loop? So open loop is a movement that has been made automatic. It's just a fast movement. Like take uh, throwing a football. Like you grab on that football and you huck that thing. That movement that you do to throw the football is open loop. That's very fast, right? There's you're not supposed to gain feedback within it. Just huck that thing, right? That's the same speed at which you're punching the trigger. So open loop is fast and efficient. It's what your mind will always default to. Closed loop is so slow 
that you could stop it anywhere within it. Like if you're pressing a rifle trigger, you're just increasing that pressure so slowly and you're so concentrated on it that you could stop that minute movement anywhere within it. So closed loop is slow, open loop is fast. And in shooting, if you use open loop, meaning fast, for your trigger work, your mind can then link those other movements to it. If you're doing closed loop, you don't know when your bow is going to go off. You're just doing the movement. And you're, you, to, be, to, to move it that slowly, you have to be super concentrated on it. And so you're just completely engulfed in the movement. And then you're just moving, and then all of a sudden it breaks. And when it breaks, your mind does, didn't know when it was going to break. Therefore, there's no pre-ignition movements because it didn't know when the ignition was going to happen. So I'm I'm so glad just you... open loops. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry. Just open loops fast. Closed loop is slow enough you can stop it. Most things in life are open loop. All the throwing sports, running, walking, breathing, all that stuff is open loop. But closed loop takes concentration and takes a decision to actually do that. So, so I'm, a, so from what you're explaining, or Bodhi, your son, I'm closed loop with mm -hmm. the clicker, unless I rip through it and do it wrong. Is that yes. correct or incorrect? Yeah. So that's yeah. So when you you draw back and aim, and then you're expanding through that clicker you could stop that movement anywhere within it. It's such a minute movement, but you can feel it moving and you're like, okay, keep pulling, keep pulling, or you're talking yourself through it, right? If you, if you, you watch people that, that draw back and the clicker just bends slightly and then they yard the bow through it, that's open loop. Okay. It's so fast they can't stop it. So this is, I'm glad you, not intentionally, but in, in steered this conversation where you talked about the open and closed and, the throwing the ball and walking and, and so mm -hmm. when you, when you, in, in talking about the surprise, like when I shoot a hinge, which is most people I know that shoot one well, I know within reason when it's going to go off, right? It, I shoot it a million times and it's got to click and yep. okay, it clicks. And then I, yep. I, I, I go like brain dead, right? I don't really, I'm like, that. Eh, there's the target, look through the pin, just kind of, mm -hmm. okay. You know, I am not focusing on the pin movement because it's going to move. Mm -hmm. I'm focusing yeah. on where it's hitting and it's like an ant, not an ant. It's a secondary, the pin being there. I don't probably didn't explain mm -hmm. that where the shit. Then I just kind of relax my hand and the bow goes off. And yep. when, and, and dude, I've had, and I don't know if you ever listened to the Gillingham podcast, right? But he's like, set that trigger up as fast as you can and hammer that fucker. <laughs> For most people, I have found that that goes to a deep, dark dive of pain and anguish in their archery career. Like, right. and it, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because it's kind of like the old snap shooters back in the day with a recurve. If you learn correctly to shoot a bow, a recurve, you can always snap mm -hmm. shoot. But if you snap sure. shoot, you 99.9% .9 of the time cannot go to full expansion and execute, um, yeah what you would call a NTS or a, you can dive into it from here. Go take it from there. Like talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So you, you said that perfectly as far as like, if you, if you snap shoot not by choice, then there's no way that you're going to actually shoot what we would call a controlled shot. Like if snap shooting is your norm, then there's no, 
it's just like, think of it this way. Combat breathing, right? In through the nose for a four count, hold for a four count, out through the mouth for a four count, hold for a four count. For you to change your breathing cycle, that never just happens. There's no soldier on a battlefield that is sitting in a foxhole going, huh, no kidding. I'm combat breathing right now. It's not something that you find yourself doing. You don't find yourself in control because control takes massive amounts of determination and decisions and presence and concentration. It's not something that finds you and you don't just find it, right? So when you're working on these things, you have to realize that it's not, the default is open loop. The default will always be open loop, which snap shooting is all open loop movements. Uh, punching a trigger is open loop. And the problem with it is people are like, well, yeah, I shoot pretty good by punching the trigger. Well, good. That's, that's okay. I'm okay with you punching trigger as long as you are at the accuracy potential that you enjoy. But you have to know that you're, only, you're never going to get any better. You're only going to get as good as your pre-ignition movements allow. That's it. You are at your top, and it usually ends up about six months into your archery career. You're as good as you're ever going to get. So exp and, explain yeah, that a little bit better, like that first six-month portion of it. Well, in the first six months, like you go to the archery shop, you get all your stuff, right? And they, they sell you an index finger trigger, and maybe you get a little bit of instruction. Hopefully, you go to Tom and get some really good instruction, right? But most people are just, they get their stuff. Maybe they tune it. Maybe they don't. They're out the door. And you were told at the bow shop to draw back an aim and you got to look through your peep and you put your pin on there and then you put your finger on the trigger and you're supposed to just squeeze it as slow as you can. That happens one time, literally one time. It's like getting punched in the face and you've never been punched in the face before and you don't know it's coming. You're like, Oh, that sucks. And then now the person's standing in front of you, I'm going to punch you in the face again. And now you're not supposed to have any reaction to it. So the first six months, you get one chance, literally one shot where you went, boom, and you shot him like, oh, well, archery's not that hard. And then you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again, and you're, you're formulating these motor programs. But what you're also doing is your body is linking pre-ignition movements to the trigger motor program over and over, and it gets to the point where when the pin is on, you hit the trigger. Makes sense, right? Pin's on, hit the trigger. And then that whole system just gets faster and faster and faster. And then you start to maybe even work the trigger before you get on the, on the target. And as soon as you do that, then the mind's like, okay, as long as your pin is not on the target, this explosion's not going to happen. And that's why it starts to lock you off the target. And so usually six months in is about as good as you're going to get unless you understand how to go closed loop on a trigger, how okay. to actually think your way through a shot. Okay. And that's what I kind of wanted you to finish up with. Cause I could tell like people would be like, so you're saying I was the best I'd ever be at six months. What Joel was saying was <laughs> with an index finger, it's only going downhill generally after, after that, which was certainly the case for, for me shooting a mm -hmm. index. Now you do have unicorns yeah. with an index finger release. Sure. The, yeah. the problem I have with unicorns is it's it's a unicorn and uh, you don't see yeah. them very often 
And you don't want to base what you're doing off of a unicorn unless you are a unicorn yourself, which is probably not the case. Mm -hmm. So two unicorns, Tim Gillingham and Michael Braden would be the two unicorns that I would bring up. Index finger, Braden operating it more what I would consider correctly as far as he digs in super deep, everything is Mm -hmm. exact Mm -hmm. every time, and he is squeezing Mm -hmm. that trigger. Tim, he's he's hammering it off. I mean, they call him the hammer for a reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is your advice for unicorns and getting down the right, you know, path? Uh, Because once you are at a point where Joel just talked about of holding low or the moment you see fur, you're letting it rip, which is like the worst, Mm -hmm. like as you're lowering your pin down, I shot eight feet over its back. I'm like, well, that's because your 80 yard pin was on it uh, and you saw fur and, you know, shit to bed. Um, Mm -hmm. Dive into that a little bit. So there's several unicorns that are in professional archery, but you, when you really look at it, cause I mean, I get to watch these guys shoot very close. Like when I'm, when I'm standing behind Bodie, they've got their coach standing behind them and we're, you know, we're on Lancaster stage, we're in Vegas or whatever. When you look at the science of it, like you look at, let's take, let's take Gillingham. And it's funny. I just spent last weekend with Gillingham and, and we were going round and round. So it's pretty funny. Me and him I <laughs> together. Wish, I wish you would have <laughs> recorded that. <laughs> Yeah. So he is so infatuated with his aim that, and he says it, if I could hold like you guys, I could press a trigger. I'm like, that has nothing to do with your ability to press a trigger. So, but he, because he keeps his mind in the aim, he punches the trigger, but he sets his release up, as you well know, so incredibly light that his open loop movement doesn't have a big pre-ignition movement linked to it. Like you, you can look at it in, in race guns, in, uh, in pistol shooting, right? Their pistols, the triggers are so light and the trigger stroke is so short that when they slap the trigger, there's not a lot of other movements that have to happen. The pre-ignition movement is not much. And plus Tim shot millions of arrows probably. So, but also what he has to do to, limit the range of motion of his pre-ignition movements is he has to have all those stupid stabilizer bars 10 feet off his bow. I mean, his bow looks like a friggin' porcupine, right? But that's why he has to do that because he punches the trigger. So there are pre-ignition movements linked to his trigger motor program. He's just done numerous things to minimize it. Now, so if you're going to punch a trigger, you would probably have to super weight your bow like what Tim does. Now, it's not that, you know, index finger triggers, I teach people to shoot index finger triggers all the time. It's just, you know, people want to punch them, but it's very easy to not punch them if you if you know how to think your way through that. And so do you want to, like you ask any of these people that are the unicorns, number one, they don't coach because they know what they do is, is not going to work for most people. So they don't coach, right? And which is a good thing because, I mean, would you want to teach somebody to punch a trigger? Well, if you do that, you're only going to get them to a certain level of accuracy. When, as soon as you take the pre-ignition movements out of the trigger motor program, then you can unlock your accuracy potential. So Until you do that, until you do that, it's you're only dealing with it. You're only going to get as good as your pre-ignition movements allow. So when um, 
and I try not to get too far off track of kind of the, the path I'd laid out here. When you have someone that, mm-hmm. well, I've, when I got target panic and it literally just thief in the night came out like, Oh God, mm-hmm. like, like, and I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I went from winning a lot to uh, hitting things in the wiener. Right. I mean, I'm like, ah, what's going on. Right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. kind of like, uh, the, the, the puncher's chance in boxing, when a puncher yeah. is on, they are hard to beat. But man, when they are off, they are, they are off. And so I went and yeah. saw a coach. They were the the brain doctor thing was not where it's at today. Obviously, the majority that's because of you. It wasn't a mental thing. I mean, a little bit of mental discussion, right? But it was more mechanics yeah. and um, showing you, okay, what's going on. So they hooked a laser to my stabilizer. They filmed mm-hmm. that laser, right? And then I'm aiming above that, and so I'm in you know, but by default aiming where that laser is. They film that, they film my hand, they film everything going on and and quickly, like immediately are like, you need to shoot a hinge. Now, the brain doctor portion of that was not talked about. They didn't say Mm -hmm. why. And I didn't care Mm -hmm. why. I just wanted to hit what I was aiming at again. I really didn't give a shit, right? And I'm glad now, obviously, people like yourself, and and when I say you're at yourself, you've kind of pioneered a lot of this. Mm-hmm. That that I all I cared about was well if I shoot a hinge with a clicker it fixes everything and that was the end of my mm-hmm. story that's all I cared about but what it showed mm-hmm. was that laser fly around wham and then you would see my hand you would see my arm my head position mm-hmm. everything well then I'd have the hinge mm-hmm. the first few times were a little shaky I'm not you know took a few weeks right yeah. um, <laughs> but you could see that beam one was no longer having that crazy, you know, I, I was, I was, I was not Mm -hmm. focusing on the, uh, drive-by portion of it as much. I was focusing more on just hovering. Some of the other things came into play with that, where I really kind of learned my brain of look through the pin. Don't worry about the Mm -hmm. pin as much, let the float happen and let her go, Mm -hmm. you know, let, let -hmm. nature take its courses. So when you are, so when, when someone is getting target panic, a lot mm-hmm. of times, people like myself, I default to take your side off. Let's get a hinge. Let's get you know. I don't go into the mm-hmm. depth that, you, and I'm also not a, uh, I'm not a coach because I'm I'm more of an instructor and probably a dick, right? Where I'm like, I just told you not to do that. <laughs> don't do that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'll I'll help people out and can give some a little bit of sure. advice. But the biggest thing for me is initially, take the side off, get that portion out. Let's start working on some uh-huh. mechanics for one. Let's get you know if you're drawing soft or whatever. But now let's work on alignment and, you know, you know, basically getting rid of those bad habits and taking that side off helps. That could be bad advice, good advice. I don't know. What are your suggestions when someone has target panic? What do you tell them to do first? Well, I don't take their sight off because as soon as you take the sight off or you shoot blank bail, you take away the timing mechanism of the mind. And that's, you know, your mind is using the sight picture as a stimulus for your shot. So the first thing that I do is I just ask them a question. What are your thoughts during your shot? And they'll tell you the world. They'll tell you everything that they are actually where their conscious mind is, right? I'm, I'm so shaky today or, or, you know, I'm trying to get my back right. Or they'll tell you all kinds of stuff about their shot, but they won't tell you about their trigger work. So when you went from an index finger trigger and you found yourself in trouble with that, you went to a hinge. And when you went to a hinge, all you did is you, this hinge is a much more specific job. 
right? You're moving more things. You are, it's, it's bigger muscle movements. What it did is it drew your mind out of all the other stuff that you were thinking about or that you were having thoughts about. Remember thoughts aren't thinking. So it got you to actually think about your trigger movement. So it brought you to the back end of this shot next to your face instead of all the stuff that's happening in front of you, the results, the potential missing, all that crap. None of that equals movement on the release. So you switching to a hinge, it just pulled your consciousness out of the aim. And then once you did that, as soon as, because as soon as you pulled your consciousness out of the aim, that's when you see your aim calm down. Because as soon as it doesn't mean anything anymore, it's just a thing that you do. And it's, I mean, it's based on the science of visual proprioception. No matter which way it moves, its next movement is back to the center. If you just leave it alone and just let it do its thing. So first thing I do with people that are, you know, punching the trigger or can't get on the target or whatever is I basically take away their options. I'm like, what are you thinking or what are your thoughts? And they tell me all the stuff. I'm like, okay, let's break this shot down. Your first job is to draw back and aim. That's it. I need you to keep your finger away from the trigger. Just draw back and aim. And they can do that with any type of release as long as they keep their finger away from the trigger, right? So they draw back and aim. I'm like, okay, next thing we're going to do is we're going to address the trigger. So while they're at full draw, I have them actually get on the trigger. And, man, that's when you see the anxiety there. I mean, it's like they do not want to get close to that trigger. Or maybe when they're, if they're working a hinge or something, they do not want to roll that hinge to the click. But I separate it. I get the aim done first, and then I have them address the trigger. And I'm literally holding on to their finger. Like, let's say if it was an index finger trigger, I'm literally holding on to it and controlling it. And I have to take it and wrap it around the trigger for them. And sometimes they'll punch it without, you know, without me being able to stop it. I'm like, okay, let's do it again. Draw back and aim. They get the aim done. Then I'll grab on that figure. Okay, get your finger on the trigger. Then you make a decision. If you can just get people to make a decision after they've aimed and after they've put their finger on the trigger, they will be well on their way to getting out of this quagmire of thoughts because literally people that are shooting with target panic are shooting with thoughts alone. That's it. They're not doing any thinking, right? If you look at it this way, thoughts are what you hear. Thinking is what you say. Thoughts are what you hear. Thinking is what you, your voice is what you say in your head. So you got to make your thinking louder than your thoughts. That's why you got to talk yourself through each one of these steps to start with. There's four jobs in each shot. Job number one, draw back and aim. Job number two, address the trigger. Job number three, say, here I go. Make that decision. Whatever decision you would have to make to jump your ass off a cliff, right? It's the conscious override of your central nervous system. And number four is to talk yourself through the movement. Those four things, number one, draw back and aim. Number two, address the trigger. Number three is here I go. And number four is talk yourself through the trigger movement. Okay. That's the basis for a controlled shot. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes total sense. And it sounds like the taking the side off is, I guess, and I would buy off on this is, is a bandaid and, and, and not a great one. Like it may fix a problem short term, but it's not fixing the long, meaning 
they're immediately going to get better without the site on. But once they put the site back sure. on, they basically canceled off. Mm-hmm. You know, the Band-Aid's bleeding at this point. It's coming through. Is that? Would it's that be- just not real. It's not real. It's not your real shot. I need people shooting real aimed shots at distances that make them nervous. Because all we're doing is teaching them how to think. That's literally all we're doing. Yeah. No, no. And I'd, I'd buy off on that because uh, uh, when I say I'd buy off on that, that makes total sense. Um, you know, because, um, you know, when you when you have um, you've probably seen where I don't know, I've seen some bad cases of target panic. Maybe we could say that's a tie. <laughs> right. I've I've seen people yeah. that, uh, you know, literally the moment that they see anything in the the housing that that remotely mm-hmm. resembles a, a, a target, it's yes. it, it's off. Right. Yeah. It's it's going. So. You know, for for some of the other things, and I want you to pick this apart because, um, you know, people are listening in or people I've given advice to um, is, you know, when I talked about it first, take the side off, which sounds like this is bad advice. Yeah. But either way, shoot close up, work on the mechanics, work on, you know, basically listen to what Joel said. One of the other things, though, I tell them to do is the the fear of missing. And I'll, I've said that before, like you're shooting scared, uh-huh. uh, which might not be a yeah. good way to put it. But um fear of missing pin float, pin movement, whatever, get a warm and fuzzy and work at 10 yards. When you're comfortable with that, go to 20. If at that moment you hit 40 yards, you start to have some of those, you get kind of, you know, you start to get twitchy and you start punching because that mm-hmm. pin float is bad to move back in. Is that shitty advice? Is that, I mean, what would your advice be as far as recovering from target panic and the distance you shoot? Cause I really hate when people get it kind of have a good day and go straight back to shooting 80 and go back into the mm-hmm. the cycle. But I, again, that could be shitty advice. So go ahead. It's, it's not shitty advice, but it's, it's the advice that's been around for a long time. And it's, you know, when you, when you shoot close, you don't have this fear of missing. Like you say, shooting scared. I shot, you know, I won the national championship in field archery this weekend, uh, shooting barebow. And at one point, I'm like, man, I'm shooting scared right now. You know, I mean, I, I had those thoughts. I was, I was working through my, my tabs here. I'm like, come on, dude, get through this thing. Or I'm thinking, gosh, if it would just go off right now. Right. And I'm, I'm beating these guys. I'm beating the guys that I'm with. And, but it's, it all boils back to this concept. Thoughts aren't thinking. So when you have, like, let's say you come into 10 yards, like, okay, cool. I got this huge target. I'm not going to miss the bail. And you can, you think you're working okay, but then you go out to 40 yards. And now because you see more pin movement, you give up on the trigger. Well, just realize what the problem is. You're thinking about your aim. You know, and you, when you look at uh, one of the modules in the online course, the shot control house, you're not even getting out of the aiming room. So, that's why I break it into those sections. You're not even allowed to put your finger on the trigger until your aim is done. And it's as good as it's going to get. You don't need to go back in the aiming room after you've put the finger on the trigger or rolled your hinge to the click or press the button to the click or whatever. You do not need to go back in the aiming room unless something that you have no control over forces you back into the aiming room like wind Right. So if you you draw back, you got a little gust uh, or a little lull in the wind, you're drawing back on a big odd ad ram, you're like, hey, there it is. You 
a trigger, here I go, and you're pulling through it, and all of a sudden you get blown past his ass with your pin. You're like, whoa, hang on a second. You got to go fix that, right? So stop what you're doing on the release, go back in the aiming room and fix it, get yourself back out with another decision of here I go. So, you know, when people start moving out, people tell me this all the time. Well, I'm, I'm pretty good at 20, but you get me out to like 28, 29, and it all falls apart. Well, that's only because now you're seeing more pin movement and you've put your consciousness into the aim. Distance means nothing. Your aim means nothing. Just stick it on there and enjoy the show. It's, it's not moving anymore. Just the target's smaller. So it's going to look like it's moving more. That means nothing. Just keep moving your release. That's all I tell Bodie. Like when he gets in these big shoot offs at Lancaster and Vegas and all that stuff, his pin is dancing from red to red. Right. And he's got to hit the X because if he doesn't hit the X, he's out. Right. And there goes a hundred K or whatever it may be. But his pin is dancing from red to red. But as long as he keeps his release moving in a way that he can feel it moving, then his mind is where it needs to be. And we have his bows tuned where his pin movement is very fast. So his rate of return to the center is very fast. So he can bounce off the red and still hit it in the X every time. That's how he shoots such high X counts. doesn't matter where his pin's at. It's always going back to the middle as long as he stays conscious on his release movement. So, so two things on so, that one you brought up, which is, uh, I was laughing on the inside. You're like, that is the thought mm-hmm. of what's gone on for years or however you worded it, which is a hundred percent true mm-hmm. because that's what I did. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, of course, mm-hmm. if that's what worked for me at the mm-hmm. same time, as I got to, and the way I've explained it to, to people and, and I'll be get, it sounds like kind of parallels. I'm like, Hey, look, if you shoot at 20 and your group is the size of a Copenhagen lid, now, wind mm-hmm. excluded. At 40, mm-hmm. it'll be double that. At 80, it'll mm-hmm. be roughly, right, within reason. At, yeah, at, sure. at, minute, at of, minute of angle. Your brain is what changes that. Or winds, but we're leaving. There is no wind. You're indoors. If your group is the size of a nickel at 20, it's double that at 40. So when I see someone just tearing it up at 40 and goes to 80 and missing the target, I'm generally like, dude, it's it's the yep. Indian, not the bow. Like it is your brain that is <laughs> yeah, causing that to happen sure. because you were just shooting yep. lights out at forty. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that was one of the reasons. Which you know, and and I agree with what you're saying. Where I was like, hey, get comfortable at ten, move to twenty, twenty. Mm-hmm. Because again, back when I was getting into all there, you know, when at twenty five years ago. The brain shit wasn't talked about as much, right? There wasn't a lot of, it was more of what fixed it. And because of that, you know, that pin flow to me getting comfortable with it, that's what I tell guys like, hey, just, you know, don't go back too far at first, work your way back or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing with that though is like, and you, the shooting scared. The reason I've been able to pull off like really crazy hunting shots of things I'm going to get blasted over if I talk about, so I won't, but farther hunting shots is... I am confident with that. And when I need to let down, I let down, but meaning, and I don't want to get into the whole, not that you're going to do this, the debate of animals moving. I get all that, but I'm just saying, I don't, I'm not my, I am brain dead at that point. When I say that, meaning I am only focusing on executing the shot. And when I say only focusing just like a target, 
an animal pulls up yeah. at 86 yards downhill. I'm not thinking, God, mm-hmm. this is a steep angle. I'm not thinking about, oh, please don't move, right. whatever. All I'm thinking is fucking die. Like I'm not worried. Yep. That has helped me a lot. But rewind 20 years ago, your ass would have had a heyday with me uh, when mm-hmm. I initially because I was the hard-headed guy shooting too many poundage, punching the trigger, saying, well, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hitting what I'm aiming at. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. But you said it went away. Like a thief in the night, <laughs> right? It it just vanished. Yeah. So as when, soon as as soon as these things became too valuable, as soon as your aim became too valuable to you, your little trigger punch just got exponentially worse. And so, you know, you pulled yourself out of it. And when you when you hunt, I mean you have a predator mindset when you hunt, but you also say things to yourself when you hunt. Well, every time I know you do, but yeah, but a lot of people don't do that when they hunt and they don't practice doing that when they're shooting targets. You say a very specific phrase when you are, when you're shooting at critters, I say very specific phrases at very specific moments in my shot on critters. And when I get in high stress tournaments, those people that are trying to do this blank minded you are on a road to disaster, right? Speaking during your shot is way more important than we might think. Well, and I, that was by accident, kind of when I say accident uh, with me, right? You know, the more you get to hunt and the more you screw up, the the more you learn. Right. I mean, so when, when, when you, when you go, um, when you have an animal come in, um, you know, I'm leaving tournaments out of this. Right. And, you know, like whitetails shake me up when I see them coming from a long ways away. I, I do not get, there's no typewriter leg when I'm on the ground. I don't bull, mule deer, whatever. I'm fairly good, but man, whitetails, you want to talk about talking to yourself, right? I see them coming and then there's all these variables. What's it going to do? Whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So by default, right. I'm like, you know, when I say by like for me, when I have a bad shot on an animal is because I, you know, I obviously melted down, but my, my normal, what would you call it? Your mantra or whatever. There was a chink in the chain somewhere that threw me off mm-hmm. that I didn't reboot or what mm-hmm. I call reboot. And mm-hmm. I, you talked about the out dad thing with Levi. I let, I don't let down very often. And people are like, mm-hmm. have, have not criticized me, but brought that up. And I'm like, I don't need to let down because very, mm-hmm. very rarely does anything go wrong, but I promise sure. you I will when it does. And yeah. When I say that, that exact say, it was a far shot. It was like 89 yards and there was some grass in the way and the wind was blowing and they were laughing at me because they were like, oh, he let down. Then <laughs> Scotty was like, I've never seen that happen. Well, mm-hmm. I needed to reboot because that was such a technical shot that I knew. Now, if it was 20, probably not letting down, still can get away with it. Mm-hmm. But at that sure. distance, I got a reboot. So you talked about yeah. that, the mantra the reboot or it, mm-hmm. dive into that more. Like what should people, like I have my own saying I came up with, which I shouldn't say on yeah. the podcast talk about though. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I know it. I know what you're saying is, but, uh, you know, when you, it's, it's awesome to hear you say that because you know, your shot so well that you know, the window of accuracy and something in that shot that you let down you went past your window, 89 yards, very technical shot, right? There's a, 
There's a window of tension. There's a window of clarity. There's this window inside each one of these shots that we shoot. Being able to recognize that window and get your mind right so that you can shoot the shot within that window. Like you say that you roughly know when your bow is going to go off. Well, yeah, you do. You know your window. And, but it can go off anywhere in that window, right? But you also know that when you've passed it, like I let down several times this weekend at nationals because I'd passed the window of the ability to hit the X. Like, and you know, when you're in Vegas or whatever, there's also that window, but you also have to figure out why did that shot go stale? Why didn't, why didn't it break in that window? And it's because you didn't say what you normally say, or you had some other thoughts that came in and you weren't being loud enough in your own head. Like you can, you can get this shot to break during a window, but in higher stress, whatever you say has got to be louder. Your thinking has to be louder than your thoughts, right? So it's these windows and the ability to recognize these windows. And that comes from thousands of arrows shot in high stress because you don't really recognize these windows in low stress training. So really understanding what you say to yourself and when you say it within your shot are very important skills to have. So I'm going to dive into a few other things on the, the training side. Um, and when I say it with my wife, just getting into archery a few years ago, um, mm-hmm. some people call it stress. T- I don't know. Do you call it uh, stress, stress tests or um, uh, maybe uh, elk shape said that I think he was calling them stress drills maybe or something, or maybe that was had to do with running and yeah. shooting or something. Yeah. So it's just getting, it's just getting your thoughts louder is what it is. So, you know, you're breathing hard, you're running, you're doing squats, you're doing pushups, you're doing all stuff. And what does that do in your head? It makes your thoughts louder. So you get reps in making your thinking louder than your thoughts. You get reps in talking in your own head louder than the stress that's coming in. So I'll be curious to get your your thoughts on this one because I don't, man, I do not preach the fitness shooting thing much. Like I don't, mm-hmm. uh, when I say that, I preach fitness. I preach shooting. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. preach burpees and shooting. I don't talk about running up a hill and shooting. And and here's what I do stress to people, including my wife, is the shooting stress portion of this. Meaning, you know how you, you when you when you got an animal in front of you, you got anxiety, you you know, you need to pick where the arrow is going into the animal, where the exit side mm-hmm. is, you know, whatever ranging. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll walk around the course and I'll be like 32 frontal, shoot it. She's got a window of time where I'm like, animal's gone. Now Obviously, with a husband and wife, as you can imagine, that doesn't always go very well. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. But if that was if that was Joel and I, and we're walking around, Joel's like seventy two. You got eight seconds. Okay, well that may be. I, Joel, I can't make that shot. Um, and generally, yeah. they're closer. But a lot of times, like we'll pull up over a hill. I'm like thirty four. Kill it. Well, she's got a window in that, and I watch what she does, and that's enough anxiety for most people, especially if they've got you behind them or, or me or a Levi or Pickett. Yeah, and so sure. what I'm trying to stress is the the analysis um, of their decision-making and their shot, meaning 
Did they hit it in the right spot, right? Did they execute a good shot? And if they did execute a good mm-hmm. shot, did they actually hit the animal where they should have? Because there's obviously the, the mm-hmm. angles of it. Also, the, the mm-hmm. time, right? Did they rush the shot? Um, you know, mm-hmm. eight to 10 seconds to me is about perfect on that that window for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think that the stress of the fitness is that important of my meaning? Should people be trying to run up a hill and take a shot? Or do you think you just need to add some type of anxiety or dive into that? If running up a hill causes you stress, then do it, right? Run up a hill and then shoot. Do a cold plunge and then shoot. All you're doing is getting reps in talking. You're getting reps in being the loudest one in the room, literally in your head. So, you know, if... If you don't need to do that, like it doesn't do anything for me to do all this crazy physical fitness stuff and then shoot a shot because I'm shooting a controlled shot. I don't give a damn what it is. I don't care if you're watching me, who's watching me. I'm shooting a controlled shot. If I don't get it off in eight seconds, okay. Maybe that's why I think it's goofy because it just never made sense to me. Like, Well, it doesn't doesn't affect you, right? But it it would somebody else because if you tell – well, if you're dealing with your wife or you're like, you got eight seconds and that instantly, the only thing they're hearing, the only thought they're having is I got to get this done in eight seconds where they should be thinking about, well, I better get my shit together and organize this shot very quickly and then spend the rest of my time in the trigger. Cause that's what is important. Right. So they got to get good at, you know, if you do these time drills, you're getting good at organizing your shot you're drawing back you're aiming you're getting on the trigger quickly then here i go and then there's only a certain speed limit of controlled trigger movement yeah 100 right so you gotta you gotta stay underneath that speed limit and so you're just giving giving them drills in getting better at organizing all the stuff up to the trigger work and if they're punching through the trigger work then you got to keep doing those drills to the point where it just doesn't matter what happens like i truly believe aaron i could run you through any drill and you're not going to punch a trigger on your hinge right but that's got to be the same when you shoot your index finger trigger and it, i'm, I'm going to tell you right now it will be for a little while and then it won't be um and i you know i say that in in the spirit of like total candor in front of sure. you, and it won't be when you're not in front. It won't be when you're in front of me. I promise. One, I don't want yeah. you to make fun of me, right? So I yeah. promise I will execute that thing every time Joel's in front of me epically. Yeah. But, man, when Joel goes away, shit will mm-hmm. go south. And, I mean, I, I say this for anybody listening in because, like, I can operate an index finger release semi-correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, is, mm-hmm. is and you, you said 100%. There will be an animal that comes in inevitably that I will punch mm-hmm. the shit out of it because of loss of mm-hmm. mental control or whatever. I don't I don't have that happen with, you know, the hinge. The thing is, is there's yep. physical stress and there's mental stress. And I focus more mm-hmm. on the mental stress with people than I do probably yeah. the physical. I mean, what you said makes sure. total sense. But if you can imagine, and the dude, it's like talking about close to divorce a few times with trying to get her ready for different, you know, hunts. Cause I'm, I'm not a, a, a dick about right. it. I'm just very like, Hey, yeah. this is it. Like it's this, real. yeah, it's, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. A hundred percent. So like, you know, I'll say, all right, you know, we're going to crab walk up here, pop up. I'll pop up, say 28, kill it. It's looking at us. Yeah. It's looking, it's looking. 
and then yeah. she'll fling it yeah. in the leg and she's like, you're a fucking asshole. And I'm like, well, I may yeah. be, but that is what's going to yeah. happen. And so I focus more on that with people. Yeah. And so when you, you know, when you're doing drills like this, like my whole, my whole thing that people think I'm an a-hole for or whatever is like, when you come to one of my clinics, the first thing you're doing is you're shooting in front of everybody and I'm just giving you the raspberries. I mean, I am destroying you mentally because I want you to get reps in becoming louder than me. Right. So by the end of the clinic, you know, three or four hours later, you're using everything I'm doing, tapping you on the head, you know, pushing you or shake. I, I literally grab people's bows now and shake the crap out of them, out of their bows while they're working the trigger because it gives them reps in becoming louder than me. And that's the skill, right? So that actually is the first time uh, you know, that the, shit you do makes sense to me. Cause I'm like, I'm not fucking having Joel yell at me. I don't need that shit, but that does make a lot of sense what you just said. Right. So you, you know, you, when I'm, when I'm standing in front of you, Aaron, there is no question in my mind or in your mind, more importantly, that you are going to work the trigger perfectly because I'm standing there. The task does not change when I walk away. But when I'm standing there, your determination to say F you Turner, your determination is through the roof and you ask differently than you would if you're by yourself, nobody's watching and you got that index finger trigger in your hand. You're like, ah, I'm still probably going to hit the middle. Right. (laughs) That's the task. The task does not change. It's just your determination level that changes. That's it. Well, and I mean, I just don't shoot one. Like, I mean, I'll shoot one to give a review on it and you know what I mean? Like I'll sure, but you're a hundred percent correct. And and the thing that, um, that I have found over time, is just, I don't have any of those issues with a hinge, which is why I mm-hmm. hunt with a hinge. Now, when, when you, when, when on the stress test and the, and like things you're talking about or whatever, like, like we just went mm-hmm. to tack, it was funny. And it was Levi and I, and, and mm-hmm. Justin Hanna uh, and Isaac mm-hmm. Aylman, who's a amazing shit talker is on a loudspeaker <laughs> and okay. you, he's, he's like, okay, this is what happens. You get 20 bucks every time you hit the black dot at 84 yards, but I get to roast you. And I was like, dude, yeah. I'm going to take all of your Perfect. money. Yeah. I'm Bring like, Bring it. Yeah. Which I did. And when I say that, this isn't a, yeah. I'm not saying that to be, I'm saying this so people have context to it because I've been made fun of yeah. by just about is it does not matter mm-hmm. what Isaac is saying at all to me. Like I do not. Now he did make me laugh once I had to let down because it was pretty funny. Yeah. Right. But, but yeah. The, the thing was, is, is like people need to understand that's just somebody's voice. That is just a distance. That is just whatever. It's your brain that yep. controls everything after that. Yep. And this was not, I mean, I, this was not talked about a lot 20 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about that a little bit. Like what got you, and I've had you on the podcast for probably not as deep a dive as, is this, what made you get into this? Cause believe me what at first, and, and I mean, people know like some of the shit you said at first, I'm like, yeah, I'm not fucking buying that. Well, I'm old school. Yeah, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, I am. I mean, yeah. I, I learned a certain way and it's worked for me and other, other people have too. But sure. the more people ask me questions, right. The more I'm like, yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't know. Like I've, I don't know, take your side off and good luck. I mean, I, you know, truly, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I can't explain <laughs> it. I, I don't, you know, the, there's certain things I can't explain. And I've, we've talked about them. Like yeah. I can ex- explain like portions of my shot or whatever, but when you, there, there is a physical ability that everyone is going to have. Obviously, your son and, and you, mm-hmm. well, we'll, we'll talk about Bodie right now. He's younger. 
there is a yeah. physical ability that he has, whatever it is in his DNA, to obviously hold a bow extremely steady, which is part of it. Not every, you know, some people have the shakes and whatever, but the mental portion of this, right? Because people ask me constantly about what workout do I need to do to get to shoot mm -hmm. a, to be steadier. I'm like, I, I would just shoot your, I shoot your bow. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's the best one. That's mm -hmm. maybe bad advice. But when you were diving into this at first, when Bodie's just started shooting, mm -hmm. like what made you, was it because of the lack of knowledge in this or was it because of your own mental demons you wanted to control or was it because of what? So Bodie was born in 07 and in 07, I was still not in control of my shot yet. And I, you know, when people talk about target panic and stuff, I used to have to hold at least five feet off a target. That's awesome. So I don't, <laughs> I don't see very many people that are as bad as I was. And my buddy that I grew up with, it was so funny because when we were growing up, we were teenagers and we we're in high school, I'd go to his house before high school to shoot. And it was to the point, Aaron, that he couldn't even get his compound with a sight on it to full draw without, I mean, he was snap shooting a compound with a sight on it, bro. Yeah, that's it's bad. that bad. We used to have this log pile that was next to the cedar bales and we would both draw back at the log pile, aim at the log pile. And then we'd both swing our bows over and shoot. It's like yeah, we're that, training ourselves for, dude, <laughs> it was so bad. So, you know, I'm coming up through the ranks. I become a cop. I'm a SWAT guy, blah, 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 whatever. But I'm like a freaking scared child in the background because I know that, you know, last week, you know, here I am a SWAT sniper. And last week I punched the trigger on a freaking coyote and it just scared the shit out of me, man, bad, because I'm thinking, God, I just punched a trigger on this coyote. What am I going to do when it's a freaking hostage rescue? You know, then Bodie's born in 07. And in that time I had, I had discovered clickers and I was able to control my shot a little bit, uh, killed a few bulls at that point, lots of deer and stuff like that. But still it was a mystery on whether the shot was going to go good or not. And that scared me. Right. So then Bodie's born 07. He starts, uh, he starts shooting a bow at 10 and a half months old. He couldn't even stand up yet. And he's slinging arrows in the kitchen. And, uh, so then, uh, see by 2010, now I'm the lead firearms instructor at the Academy and I'm starting to figure out shot control, right. Through pistols and firearms and rifles and all that stuff. And I buy Bodie his first compound. Well, I buy him a little index finger trigger and he punches the crap out of that thing at three years old. I'm like, nah, I'm not having my kid live a life that I had to live, you know, going through all this nasty target panic stuff. So what I do at three years old, I bought him a tension release. I bought him a, a Carter Evolution, right? So it was simple. You push safety in, you draw back and aim, take safety off and pull. So I could set it to where he'd actually have to make a decision to pull. And it got him into some proper archery movements as good as you can for with a three-year-old, you know, but, and he's left eye dominant. So he's shooting this little compound bare bow with his left eye. So the arrow's coming way out of never, never land out off the right, you know, but he was a phenom being able to, you know, he's head shooting gophers in Montana with this thing. And that's how he grew up. And, 
But, you know, people are like, oh, he's so rock steady and he's got ice in his veins. Bodie pukes before every tournament. Yeah. Very few people know that, right? I mean, he gets nauseous. He goes up in the corner and yaks or whatever. And then he comes back and just destroys people, right? Not because he's that steady. He's not that steady. But we have his shake fast. We've built his shake in his bow very fast to the point where it can break anywhere in the gold and it hits an X. It's all based on rate of return and the fact that he has the ability through, you know, growing up with all this crap. I never sat Bodie down and said, okay, kid, you got to do this and this and this and this. He's just listened to the damn speech 10 million times, right? So, and it, and I was not going to allow him to go down that path because why would I, if I've got the knowledge to fix it, I can fix it. You know, not, not dad, the son, because we as dads don't know a damn thing about archery anymore. Evidently I have forgotten everything I know about archery according to Bodie. <laughs> so it's, it's the typical 16 year old thing. Right. But so that's the deal. He's not that steady, but he keeps his release moving. The only advice I give Bodie when I'm standing in the coach's box is keep it moving. That's all I tell him. Keep it moving. Meaning keep your damn release moving because if it stops, that means your conscious mind went somewhere else. It went to the aim. It went to, Oh my God, this is for a hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is. Right? So keep it moving. That is the only advice that I give him, but it means so much. Right? So, you know, people have this, people have the ability to do this. If you know how to separate from the aim, that's the first step. The skill is not in the aim itself. It's in how well can you step away from it? Cause then that frees you up. It frees your conscious mind up to start working a hinge or working an index or working a thumb button or whatever. If you stay in the aim, you're going to punch it whether you like it or not. No, that makes, that makes total sense. Um, we're, man, we're about to hit an hour here and I'm about to fly out for five weeks. So just a couple okay. more things I want to touch on, um, you know, with this, uh, the, the, well, one, the, what you offer on shot IQ, the, the courses, where, where can they go for those courses? How do they sign up? Can they get personal coaching? I'm really bad at remembering to do this. So I'm asking now, like where, where can people yeah. do that? That kind of stuff. It's shotiq.com. I've got online courses on there in archery, pistols, rifles. I just filmed the archery course again yesterday. I filmed the whole compound section yesterday again because when I, when I did it the first time, this was 2015, 2016 when I did it the first time, and I wasn't doing clinics back then. Now I've done hundreds of clinics. I've got very much more polished now. So, and if people have already bought the course, they'll have the new course when they log in again. So, and, uh, it's everything you see in a clinic is in that course now, and it is pretty powerful stuff. So shotiq.com and that's got uh, all the online courses on there. Yeah. And then, uh, on, uh, like you do group coaching and personal, whatever, um, just shoot a message on social. Yeah, there's, well, there's a list of clinics. If you go to the desktop version of my, of shotiq.com, there's a list of clinics and just find one that's near you. And, and uh, hopefully, 
next year, I'm probably going to be doing most of them in the Pacific Northwest. So I've flown a lot this year. I've flown all over the world doing these clinics. So <laughs> 2024 is going to stay a little closer to home. So folks are going to hopefully come up to see me. Gotcha. And then do you, th- what are the chances of Bodie listening to this? Uh, I don't know if I tell him, listen to it, he, he will. Okay. So don't have him listen. Cause I don't know, maybe you can, but <laughs> what do you see happening, uh, with Bodie? Like I have had multiple conversations with people where I've straight up said, uh-huh. well, I won't say exactly what I said, but I will say that, uh, a woman will probably be the only thing to end Bodie's, uh, career. And, and I don't say that this is not that the women are evil. It's just, yeah, women are, you fall so, in love with them and priorities change. So yeah. what, where do you see Bodie yeah. going? Well, I mean, all he wants to do is shoot his bow. I mean, he's 16 now. So that is, I mean, it's not really becoming too big of a thing yet, but it, it'll, it'll happen, but his skill level will not diminish. And the skill level of others is not quite where he is. And it's, it shows, I mean, he lost the national championship uh, this weekend because he shot two arrows from the wrong stake. Otherwise he would have won by six points. Yeah, so that sucks. he shot, two, he shot two arrows from the wrong stake cause he's 16 and he's jackassing around and not noticing that it's a fricking walk up. So he shoots three arrows from one stake and one arrow from another stake. And, uh, it cost him, right? It cost him, it cost him money. I mean, he's a professional archer. So, but it's a lesson learned and he got to learn it when he was 16. Right. So he, Bodie's, Bodie is a, an amazing shooter. What he does with a bow is amazing, but it's not impossible for others to achieve. Uh, so it's, yeah, you, you, you may be right. I don't know if a woman's going to ruin it. I don't think it will because he's pretty, he's pretty locked in on his archery and his bow hunting. So, uh, she's going to have to come along for the ride. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember. I think, uh, Levi was telling me, I think after Bodie won Vegas or something, uh, mm-hmm. Jacob Marlowe said something about, man, one of us needs to start helping this kid make bad decisions or we're all in trouble <laughs> um, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. Uh, oh, yeah, that sounds like Marlowe. Yeah, for sure. He's a funny, he's a funny, funny dude. He is. Um, yeah, he is. So, well, man, I, I, I truly appreciate you coming on. This is going to save me a lot of uh, question answering, uh, which I was, it sounds like halfway answering them wrong. Anyway, I can send people to go um, uh, listen to this or, or your course. So yeah, I, I appreciate you hopping on here. I, I know you're busy. Yeah. I appreciate you having me, bro. Cool. All right, man. Well, tell Bodie good luck. And then, uh, like I said, I'm not going to be yeah. back for a while. So whatever you got going on, good okay. luck as well. And uh Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I'll probably circle back in a few months, do another one of these off the feedback we get. If you don't okay. mind, that'd be cool. Yeah. Heck yeah, bro. Anything I can do for you, man. Cool. Right on, man. Take it easy. All right. You too. Take care, bud. See you.